What's up, Team Ego? Welcome to Optimized, the podcast teaching athletes how TE can optimize longevity, recovery, and performance. My name is Vince Lapalusa, and I'm a Brazilian jiu-jitsu purple belt who has been drinking tea for over 10 years now, and my mission is to teach you how to work with tea so you can recover quicker, play longer, and be more competitive in your athletic pursuits. As athletes, we are always striving to be better. We are always thinking there's someone out there training harder or I need to grow. This can lead us to harming ourselves if we don't allow ourselves to properly recover. But how can I recover and still train hard all the time? Well, today, my guest Liz Morgan and I are going to discuss our struggles on our athletic journey and how overtraining led to injuries that we now realize were not necessary. Liz Morgan is a food culture transitionista, working to transform food culture into one that deeply heals people and planet. As a functional nutritionist, Liz supports her clients to rise above the food fad frenzy and become more wise and loving caretakers of their own bodies and the earth. She specializes in digestion, liver health, blood sugar imbalances, inflammation, food sensitivities, chronic pain, sleep, and thyroid disorders. Liz is a past environmental lawyer, holds a master's degree in environmental policy, and is the author of The Falcon Guide on Foraging for Wild Edible Plants in the Rocky Mountains. In this episode, you're going to hear Liz share her life's experiences of fatigue, food sensitivities, and a lack of food understanding, and how it has led her to heal herself holistically so she can perform the sports she loves. You will also learn how tea can impact our recovery, performance, and digestion. So grab your tea, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Optimized. Liz, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, Vince. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, of course. Let's just jump right into it. And first, what are you drinking today? I am drinking a tea that is completely brand new to me. I literally Mm. just had my first sip. It was a sample that I got at the tea expo in Vegas where we met. And it's celery tea. So it's, I don't even know if it's legitimately called tea, but they market it as tea and it's just dried celery and she, it's Clark's tea and they, she just does all these different dried vegetables and puts them in tea bags. And it's actually really like gentle flavor and it's really nice. Yeah. I think that's starting to branch into the area of soup. <laughs> I, I literally had that conversation with the owner when I met her. I was like, what's the difference between soup? Yeah. Um, what did she say? It's re- I think she just laughed or something. <laughs> just like, yeah. Oh, that's that's amazing. I honestly did not see that. Um, yeah, I did not see that that vendor there. So that's a uh, that's fascinating for me. How does it? So how does it make you feel? Like, is there like what's the properties behind celery tea? Well, I'm only like three sips in. But, um, mm. but celery is known to be high in, particularly high in potassium, mm. which is one of the electrolytes. It's a mineral and it helps, does lots of things in the body, but it helps, this is interesting for athletes. It helps with, with hydration inside of your cells. So it makes, so sodium helps with hydration in between the cells. 
Potassium okay. helps with hydration inside the cell. So you need it all. You need a good balance of all your minerals. I actually um, did not know that. That's that's super fascinating. For right now, I'd actually love for you to kind of give your background and, and talk about like who you are and how you got here. Yeah. So I am a food culture transitionista and my work is to transform the food culture into one that is deeply healing for people and the planet. And I really believe in the connection, or I know the connection between a healthy human body, healthy food, and healthy planet and soil and the way food is grown. And I really, so I'm really interested in figuring out how to connect us in all of those ways. You know, lots of people are so confused about what to eat. Um, and we can talk about all the science of human nutrition, but once they realize, oh, I'm also, there's also this other component of sourcing food from really healthy, thriving farms that support healthy ecosystems and treat animals well, like then it all kind of starts to make sense, right? Because we are humans on earth. And so when we cultivate our relationship with the earth through food, it's just like so exciting. Um, but I'm also a, a functional nutritionist. So mm. I help my clients identify what the drivers of our, of their health problems are, you know, what's really going on underneath, rather than just saying, here's the diet I believe in, let's get you to stick to it using all your willpower. We really are looking at um, what's going on in your body, what's breaking down. And so then we can prioritize what the strategies are for deeper healing. Um, and then it's really motivating because people are like, oh, okay, so I know something is going on in my, in my, you know, small intestine and or my liver or we can really target what piece of the body needs to be needs to be supported yeah oh that's fascinating that's awesome so when did this start for you like was this something that you kind of knew growing up that you wanted to get into this or was this something like did you did something cause this that you're like i, I need to dig into this like well, yeah when did it start well kind of all of the above <laughs> i as a kid, I loved food. I loved good food. I loved going to restaurants. I was offended by the kids' menu. I would <laughs> never <laughs> order from the kids' menu. I wanted to try all the interesting adult food. Yeah. Um, and so I've always just had a love for for good food. But 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 and and I've always had a real connection to nature and ecosystems. And mm -hmm. so I sort of got into this thinking, I just want to help people move away from processed packaged food that's destroying the earth and destroying our health and help people really embrace, you know, wholesome, real food that's good for us and good for the planet. Yeah. But what I realized in that process of do it, getting this nutrition education was that I was, my body was actually struggling way more than I realized. Like, mm. you know, I was like, I eat organic food. What, how much healthier could I be? But I really started having major breakdowns. Um, I'll just like back up a few decades. Um, I, it was really right after I was born, I caught a bunch of infections in the hospital and I almost died. I was really sick. Mm. I almost had my leg amputated. I was dosed with massive amounts of antibiotics, like within the first week of my life, which wow. is really detrimental to your digestive system development. Definitely. So for my whole life, my um, you know, I now can look back and say, I was really malnourished my whole life. Even though I was eating really good food, I wasn't digesting it. 
And so I was always hungry. I went through life just being always hungry, always kind of tired. Um, I was athletic and played sports, but like just, you know, not at, I think my whole life could have been just so much better had I, you know, had, had someone when I was an infant had the tools of functional nutrition that we have now to say, okay, well, we saved her life, but you know, now let's, let's heal the digestive system. Instead, I waited till my forties to do that. Um, and actually, um, you know, it was a huge process. I was learning the craft of functional nutrition and all the lab tests and all the, all the little tactics and supplements and everything. Um, while battling my own massive sugar cravings and all yes. of that, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and sort of swimming through the, the sort of morass of all the food fads and trying to figure out what was right for me in each subsequent stage of my healing process. Um, so as I realized, oh, I didn't even know how, how unhealthy and struggling I was because in our culture, we don't, we don't talk about symptoms. We don't talk about what's normal in our bodies and what's optimal. And so everyone just feels kind of cruddy most of the time. And that's just, it seems normal. And everyone just thinks, well, I'm getting older or, mm -hmm. you know, everyone just, ha you know, I just have this, I just am this way. Yeah. And, um, so through, so going through my own process and, and, and seeing the same experiences, you know, see my clients having all these same experiences too, like these big awakenings of like, oh my gosh, I didn't know, like, you know, people grow up in the diet culture. And so you think yes. improving your food strategies is about deprivation. It's about restricting foods. It's about dieting and losing weight. When really, my perspective is it's about more nourishment, eat more good food, um, enjoy it more and get really, really deeply nourished and figure out how to digest your food. And then and then like life really opens up, your brain works better, your joints feel better, your mm. um, stamina improves, um, all of all of that new lease yeah. on life that we can experience. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. I think like you said, it's something that once you experience it, you wish you knew earlier. <laughs> I think the beauty of it is with this, with podcasting and with other free education, just the internet exploding, obviously with all the social medias, people are getting access to this information more and to people like yourself and people are starting to quote unquote, wake up to like what's healthier and what's the, what are the optimal ways of eating, living life. Um, but still, it's always a challenge because the food that the processed food that they make is super addictive and can be super delicious, especially if you're kind if you're used to it, it's going to be hard. It's a hard drug to kick. Yeah, it really is. It really is. It's and it's generally not a two week process. You know, I'm going to kick my junk food habit, and then you try for two weeks and it's hard, and then you give up. You go, oh, it's just too hard. I can't do it. And yep. It's because we don't have the we don't have the tools. It's mm -hmm. I've really been noticing a, this issue of avoidance a lot lately. People really avoid dealing with their health and or food and or body image issues because they don't realize how much better it is on the other side. And, they, and we yeah. don't culturally like know what the tools are to get us there. And so it's like, just avoid it because I'm probably going to fail anyway. And it's just going to make me feel bad. And I don't want to feel bad. And so, uh, you know, it's like, we don't know, we don't have the whole picture. And so it's like, once you get that little opening, that little opening of like, Oh, my vitamin D levels went up or, 
I drank tea instead of Red Bull and I mm. felt really good in my workout. I wasn't having mm. that sugar crash or all those artificial colors of flavors weren't coursing through my blood, kind of clogging up my cells. And yeah. you know, once you get some, whatever your window is, and everyone's got a different little crack of light that comes through that like gets them on the, gets them on board. Yes. Feeling good about, you know, getting healthier. Yes, exactly. And so we talked a little bit about, uh, before the show about your coffee experience. Can you, mm. yeah. Can you share about that? Yeah. Co well, for all of my clients come to me thinking that like the first thing I'm going to do is make them give up their coffee. And I don't <laughs> usually, <laughs> they just, cause they assume it's going to be deprivation oriented. Yes. And, um, and I don't do that, it, but my coffee experience. So, um, I drink, I drink coffee in the morning, you know, maybe a couple, couple cups of coffee in the morning for years and years and years. And um, it was really helpful for me because I used to wake up really inflamed. My joints would feel inflamed. My belly would feel inflamed. Uh, my face would be a little puffy. Even when I was young, like 20 years old, even mm -hmm. probably in my teens, like I just always woke up kind of stiff and inflamed. And so yeah. coffee, like that caffeine helped reduce the inflammation at, um, you know, that's not your like whole healing strategy it was just kind of like a bandaid at the time, like before I did yeah. anything about what I was doing. But over the years, you know, then I started getting headaches from drinking coffee and it was really a clear, clear connection. Like I would drink some coffee and get a headache. And, and, the, and that just so happened to be like the year I was in nutrition school mm -hmm. or, or one of my, um, one of my programs. And I was learning how to do food sensitivity testing. And uh, so I did a food sensitivity test on myself yep. and, or I went to, had a blood draw and sent it in and it, coffee came up as a food, as a food that was a food sensitivity food for me, which means even though I was experiencing it as reducing some of the inflammation in my body, it was also causing inflammation. Like my white blood cells were reacting and releasing inflammatory yes substances into my bloodstream when I drank coffee. And so I stopped drinking coffee and that's when I switched to tea. I had enjoyed tea before, but had never had a daily ritual of tea or a daily practice of tea. And so I, I, I switched to tea, didn't get headaches from it and got really into chai, making my mm -hmm. own chai. So I was like simmering all those beautiful spices, star anise and cinnamon yeah. and cardamom and all that. I loved it spicy and, yep. um, and all that. So I switched, that's when I switched to tea and I can drink coffee now. I don't, now that, you know, my system is so much more healed, I can really enjoy coffee again, but, um, it feels really dehydrating to me and I just don't drink it all that often. It's just a different different feeling than than tea i do like yeah. black tea in the morning yes yeah yeah and there's nothing wrong with like the occasional cup of coffee it's uh it's it's really first of all i love the flavor actually the, the flavor of coffee is really delicious i just like you said like the the feeling was something i couldn't get over the dehydrating feeling the crash that i would experience as well as just the flavor it left in your mouth those are like three yeah. things that that I just really couldn't get over that I don't experience with tea. And like, that's really why I just fell in love with tea uh, from the get go. But like, like you said, it's a, it's amazing. Cause like the coffee was helping with your inflammation, but at the same time you had a food sense, you had a sensitivity to it. 
Yeah. Yeah, we're so very complex. Yeah, <laughs> super complex. Very complex. <laughs> yeah, a lot going on. Yeah, um, that's that's super interesting. And so, as I guess, first off, when you work with someone and you're working with your clients, do you experience like things like this across the board? Like that, there's like these little food sensitivities that sensitivities that people aren't aware of. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's why I do a food sensitivity test with a lot of my clients. And I use yeah. a really good one, um, tests about 170 different foods and chemicals. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, everyone knows of like dairy, you know, gluten and dairy are common uh, food allergens or sensitivities or autoimmune triggers. Yeah. And so a lot of people have come to me and they've already tried removing those from their diet mm-hmm. and maybe it's worked, but they're still struggling and need a lot more help. Or maybe it has not made one bit of difference, but something's still wrong. Mm-hmm. And so a food sensitivity test can tell you. Um, so food sensitivities, first of all, are transient. They'll ch- It'll change. And it's really impacted by um your digestive health your gut health your microbiome whether you have leaky gut or not like how your immune system is functioning so so um so yeah we i see i see the weirdest foods and people will be like so so i'll see people who um you know it comes up as chicken is reactive for them or lettuce or hot peppers or squaw i mean it could be anything you know yeah um you know shellfish certainly we see but it's not it's not always just these common allergens you know that you see listed on food labels it can be anything if you're if your system's out of whack it can be anything and then it's amazing like so someone comes to me thinking they have just really severe menstrual cramps or they're getting migraines or they're having some arthritis flaring up or you Mm -hmm. know some kind of joint pain uh, or they're just tired after every meal like exhausted and And so you think, you know, if it's, let's say it's menstrual cramps, people think I have a hormone imbalance. What can you do for a hormone imbalance? You know, maybe they're thinking they need pain medication or maybe they're thinking they need exogenous hormones. Mm -hmm. But so often we remove those food sensitivity foods and it's like, you know, first pain free period in years or migraines melt away or um, I can all of a sudden sleep or I feel less anxious and stressed out in my life. So yeah. you remove all these random inflammatory, you know, substances, even if they were healthy foods, they're mm-hmm. not working for your particular body. And it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. The body's like, oh, thank you. We needed this break <laughs> from all that inflammation. Now we can build ourselves back up again. Yeah. Um, so it's amazing. And I've seen all of that happen even without, even before we get to the digestive healing part. So now mm. once we get into the digestive healing part, that's more of the long-term fix yes. for really stabilizing your health. That's fascinating. Super interesting mm-hmm. and a lot to dig into there, but I'm actually going to switch switch gears a little bit um, and, and talk a little bit more about the eth- athletics and, and yeah. athletes and something that, that we were discussing prior to the show is the challenge of overtraining that you that you're experiencing in your clients and just you think maybe in general but so can you explain just a little bit about like overtraining and what you're seeing from your perspective yeah so it's so athletes are such an interesting population because 
obviously moving our bodies is really, really good for us. And it helps clear out our lymph system, our detoxification systems, our, it just, it helps with signaling in so many parts of our body. It's just, so a lot of times, so athletes sometimes will be doing sort of unhealthy things to their bodies, but it's sort of masked by all the benefits of the exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it, it will always catch up with you, right? Like mm-hmm. it always catches up with you, your unhealthy habits. But um, with overtraining in particular, it's so interesting because just, it's like, just because you can run a hundred miles, <laughs> you know, doesn't mean it's good for you to do, you know, every week or however, you know, 50 miles every day or however, you know, whatever overtraining looks for, for different people can be different, right? Endurance athletes especially will push themselves so hard. And sometimes they lose that perspective of like when the pain, when they should listen to their pain mm-hmm. and when they shouldn't. And so, but what they'll see is they just stop making gains in endurance, in muscle development, et cetera. And then oftentimes they'll absolutely crash. Like you were an endurance athlete yesterday, running triathlons, and then you can't get off the couch and you don't know what's wrong. Like you think you're dying. Like, like you could, you know, it feels (laughs) like something really, really terrible. And you basically just like depleted yourself just depleted yourself because so many people are just like following food fads or they're not really, you know, keeping up on what their body really need, needs really are. And they're not giving themselves the, the rest time that they really mm. need. And, so, you know, we know sometimes, you know, rest is so important in being a functioning athlete, just like sleep is so important in being a functioning human you know some people pride themselves on i only need four hours of sleep a day and it's like what you're you seem like a stressed out crazy person to me like i'm not sure i'm not sure that's true like you think you're functioning but you're functioning on stress hormones and and athletes can be the same you know you're you're functioning on stress hormones and that depletes you stress hormones you know they burn through different nutrients like you burn through your magnesium mm-hmm. um and so so if you're crashing if you've overtrained if you're crashing as an athlete the the this the the recovery isn't about pushing harder it's about mm. really listening to your body it's telling you you're exhausted like don't hop up on caffeine or whatever and just push harder. You need to rest. Yeah. For athletes and everyone, it's such, it's so, um, it's like so new to actually listen to the language of our body listen to what our (laughs) body's trying to tell us. And our body will start with whispers, you know, it'll start going, "Hmm, I'm more tired than I thought it should be after that workout. And if you don't listen to the whispers, then our bodies scream at us. Yes. And and it's easier to heal and recover if we get on top of it early than later. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, I think it's interesting uh, about the endurance athletes. So, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but I ran, I ran two marathons uh in in college. Mm. And during training for it, I've and before that I've never done any sort of running like for for a sport like cross country track and field, like wow. never did anything like that. It was just, I was just like, you know what? 
why not? And I was doing it through a charity. So I was like, it's a good cause. Let's just go for it. I'm, I'm athletic. I can do it. And so I was just like, I'll just follow the, the training regimen. And the quote unquote, like rest days and or not rest days, they call them specific days, like where you would do like slow like run days, you would just go for distance, okay. but you don't want it to want it to be super fast. I forget what okay. they call it those days. Um, I would never listen and I would just go the distance, but go as like, as I would normally like at my normal pace. And like you said, it caught up to me real quick where like the first marathon, I had a stress fracture in my left knee. Mm. And then luckily I was able to, to mend it before the actual marathon and run the marathon perfectly fine. And then the second marathon, my right knee, like, never actually found out what it was i went to the orthopedic no idea what it was but it was like the outside of my right knee just was was like a shooting pain like a, like when i would hit like mm-hmm. mile like five all of a sudden like a shooting pain and i ran the marathon on on that pain like just was like wow i'm gonna finish it like i'm just gonna do a super slow very very slow marathon but i finished it and yeah it's like thinking back it's like hmm I bet you those whispers were happening and I just uh-huh. was not because like, uh, like in my mind, I'm like, man, that was so weird. I felt perfectly fine. And then all of a sudden I went for like an 11 mile run and then boom, like my knee just gave out. It's like, was it really like that? Or was it probably something that right. that you weren't listening to? Like you said, those whispers and then it, and then it happened. Right. So, right. Yeah. And, be and super how's your knee now? Has it fully recovered or just still? <laughs> well, well, this is yeah. So the same knee, and actually, I do think that these are related. Um, so I stopped running after the second marathon. I'm like, and I hurt my knee. I was like, I don't think running's for me. Like, I'm also like a 200 <laughs> plus pound man. I'm like, I, I'm like, this is not the endurance body type. <laughs> like, I, I'm more for wrestling. <laughs> but you also jumped right into marathon. Yeah. you could have gone with like three mile runs and you know oh yeah no there's there's a lot of things there um but i'm I'm gonna stick with with my story of just like i wasn't meant for it (laughs) yeah (laughs) so so that's when i took up jujitsu and on my same knee i actually ended up blowing out my lcl and Mm -hmm. i don't know how familiar you are with like the fcl lcl acl like where they are mcl um but the lcl was on the outside of the knee the exact same location actually that I had that pain and I blew it out in a very, very weird position in jujitsu. Like I, sh- I didn't think I should have blown out my knee like that. And when the doctors went in there, they're like, there's some scar tissue in here. That's pretty old. Like, do you know what that's from? I'm like, yeah, I think I have a good idea what that's mm. from. So I think there was a little bit of, of damage there. Um, but actually now after I got the surgery on that, now my knee's great. <laughs> now it's great. Oh, that's good. But I do not recommend that. That was a terrible <laughs> surgery. The recovery was was miserable on that. So going back to the overtraining, and I think it, the other thing too that I see a lot of people, and I think marketing is playing a huge role with this, is the use of pre-workouts and energy drinks. And you kind of mentioned it a little bit about the Red Bull um, but thoughts on those type of, of pre or just those type of energizers for lack of a better word. I mean, they're total junk. Most of them, <laughs> right? 
Yes, I mean that was that was an easy question. That was a softball. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I was just teeing up. <laughs> I mean, it's a weird kind of energy that you get from those. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. It, oh, I think most of them have sugar or some kind of a sugar, Probably, some kind of a yeah. caloric sugar, or corn syrup, sugar, or something. Mm-hmm. But then. You know, of course, sugar, you know, sugar handling disorders are so prevalent in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Um, If you, you know, if you drink too much sugar or consume too much sugar and, you know, your diet's out of balance, way too high in sugar, what happens is, I mean, what happens is, so, so in your body, insulin your pancreas releases insulin it attaches Mm -hmm. to the glucose in your bloodstream the sugar and it takes the glucose into your cells to make energy and so that's why you get this burst of energy when you drink a lot of sugar because all of a sudden your cells are all full of sugar making making energy that's Mm -hmm. also what happens just internally in the fight or flight reaction you we store sugar in our liver and in other tissues in our body and so when we're stressed when we're fight or flight the body dumps more sugar into the bloodstream so the insulin can take it into the cells. The cells can make ATP energy and you get a burst of energy. Um, and that's in a beautiful, amazing system. But if we overdo it, then eventually our cells can't, our cells become insulin resistant. The cells mm-hmm. can't bring the sugar in. And so all of a sudden your cells can't make energy. And so then you're going to be really tired and that's, you're on your way to diabetes. And, um, and so if you're if you're thinking like long term athletic performance, you don't want to develop, you know, prediabetes, you know, you yeah. want to you want to keep your sugar, you know, I'm all for eating carbs, because carbs are, you know, fuel and power, um, like a reasonable amount of carbs and, and what the amount of carbs that's right for people really varies. Mm-hmm. Um, some people do better with lower carbs some people do better with moderate carbs. But in any case, if your energy workout strategy is just to dose yourself with tons of sugar for that quick burst, it's really impacting your long-term ability to make energy in your body. Not only are these energy drinks full of sugar, um, they're full of chemicals, like toxic chemicals, like colorings, flavorings. And those are really impairing our cellular function also. And really, you know, our liver has a lot of work to do to get rid of all that toxicity, all that Mm -hmm. toxic chemicals and the liver gets overburdened. And so if your liver gets clogged and sluggish and overburdened, it's not, it, um, our bodies don't work right. You know, you can't, your liver then can't get rid of your excess hormones. And, and, uh, you know, in modern life, we come in contact with a lot of chemicals. And so our livers are already overburdened, like all of us. And so reducing our toxic exposure as much as possible is really, really helpful for overall health and for athletic performance. Yeah. Something about the energy drinks too that I find fascinating and it's it's quite comical to me as a tea drinker is I don't know if you've if you've seen this, but a lot of energy drinks are now adding a compound called L theanine. Do you know much about <laughs> L theanine? A little bit, but tell me what you're getting yeah. at. So L theanine's it's an amino acid that is only found in pretty much like one major thing. It's found in a few mushrooms, um, Japanese mushrooms, but it's it's strictly pretty much found in tea. 
And what it does is it's one of the few compounds that can actually break the blood brain barrier. And when you drink tea, you get the L-theanine along with caffeine. And that's why like when people say they feel calmer and more focused than they do with coffee and they're like, oh, is it a different kind of caffeine? No, it has nothing to do with caffeine. Caffeine's mm-hmm. caffeine. It's the same compound. But when paired with this L-theanine, it breaks that blood brain barrier with the caffeine and it kind of counteracts like it, it basically calms the mind while the caffeine raises the energy so that's when people say like they have this meditative focus it's because you're literally relaxing the body but you're providing the caffeine energy with it and i and i'm like it's funny to me as a tea drinker i'm seeing that these energy drinks are now dosing with who knows what kind of l-theanine i'm sure it's like probably some artificial derivative of l-theanine and i'm like just go to the source go to tea (laughs) like why yeah like what it doesn't have any of those added stuff that you're talking about it doesn't have the uh the sugars unless you add a little bit of sugar which like you said as a pre-workout it might be good to add a little bit of honey give you that 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 caffeine or the along with the caffeine maybe a little bit of honey will actually help you through your workout but Oh man, like I'm like, it's it's so silly. It's silly to me. What, and the way that you were just describing how it feels to have L-theanine with caffeine in a just calming meditative tea source, that's mm-hmm. the way you described that sounds like a flow state, right? That's if you're trying to get into a flow state with your workout and then you're doing an energy drink you know when Mm. people have an energy drink it's really this like manic kind of energy and you can see people getting having a lot of anxiety around it and you you know Mm -hmm. it's it's a real it's not the flow state you're actually looking for right and that goes back to that exactly you're saying like the overtraining and not giving yourself that rest you're already in a state of this crazy stress cortisol just running strictly on cortisol then you're going to add this energy drink or this pre-workout that's probably just jacking up your cortisol even more and Mm -hmm. then maybe you're wondering why you can't sleep at night or why you're you can only get four hours of sleep and it's probably four hours even of crap sleep too probably never hit that REM and people are like I never dream Mm -hmm. well it's because you're probably never in a REM state like I dream Mm -hmm. very vivid dreams and I'm like (laughs) I love it because I'm like okay that means I hit my REM cycle like great and um yeah that's just to me these are just signs of of this sort of lifestyle. Yeah. And I actually see this all the time. People and people, we have such a stressed out society. It's just so normal. Um, and people are, are operating on cortisol and adrenaline. Their mm-hmm. adrenal glands are just pumping it out and overworked. And people don't even don't realize, you know, when you're in that state constantly, it's yeah. a fight or flight you're ba- and the energy drinks are basically like putting you into fight or flight even more so we're just these like heightened stress levels all the time people don't realize there's another state that they could be existing in where they'd have energy but it would be calmer and smoother mm-hmm. it's like they're like people are scared to let go of that of that cortisol that's like kind of their lifeline Yes. It's like if they let go, they'll, they feel like they'll crash and they kind of would because they're really teetering on the edge of Mm -hmm. crashing. Um, that, 
after they crash is usually what people <laughs> see me. <laughs> but it's much better to get on top of it sooner than later. Definitely. And really, but it's really like I if I'm not running on this level of stress, how do I function? Like how will I do anything? Because really yeah. deep down, they're exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about these these challenges that unfortunately many people are experiencing. So what are we what are we to do? Yeah. So if, if your body is telling you it's tired, believe it. Believe it and give yourself the rest it needs. First and foremost, I I remember like years and years ago like you know, I had this one particular conversation with a friend, like one night, my friend wanted me to go out. And I was like, No, I'm tired. I'm gonna rest. I'm gonna just stay in tonight. And they were like, just like, do some shots. <laughs> and you'll wake up. And, and I was like, it, it, that moment, like struck me as like, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think that's what I really need. And I think people need to think along those lines of like, listen to your body, your body's actually telling you something, right? So um, you know, a lot of people go, oh, my life is too hard. I have to be up early for school or to take or for work or mm -hmm. and then I can't fall asleep at night or whatever. Weekends can be a really good time to let yourself sleep in late, to really like do some more relaxing kinds of activities. Um, and, but also nourishment, like deep, deep nourishment, mm. um, eat really good food. And, you know, if you're not in a place where you're wanting to like dive into like all the lab testing or working with a function a nutritionist or something like to really figure out what you need just eat a really diverse really nourishing diet so i see lots of you know athletes or people trying to be healthy they'll say well i eat i eat the same thing every day for lunch i eat a chicken breast and broccoli steamed broccoli i eat the same, you know and it's like okay that's perfectly fine but we need diversity. Our bodies thrive on diversity, diversity of fiber, diversity of nutrients. And so that means just big diversity of food, right? Don't always eat chicken. Try, you know, eat some grass-fed beef, eat some, you know, there's lots of different kinds of fowl, eat some turkey, eat a quail, eat, you know, if you're a meat eater, eat lots of different kinds of fish and shellfish, eat, mm -hmm. you know, lots of people will tell me, I eat, yeah, I eat vegetables. I eat a green salad every night for dinner with the same exact dressing, olive oil and apple cider vinegar. Like, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. But change it up. You can't only eat a green salad. Like, there's, like, hundreds of other vegetables to eat. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're trying – the best biohacking you can do is just eat as much diversity in your diet as you possibly can. And that actually makes it really fun and delicious. Mm -hmm. um, and go to the store. Go to the farmer's market look for the, the vegetable or the fruit that you have no idea what it is and hmm. get that and then look yeah. it up and figure out how to eat it. <laughs> Does it need to be cooked? Can you eat it raw? Like try it a few different ways. Yeah. You know, if you love sweet potatoes and you always get an orange sweet potato, try a purple sweet potato. Purple mm -hmm. and orange are really different nutrients and you can look it up actually. It's so easy to Google these things. Like what nutrients are in a purple potato? What I had one summer I was just craving watermelon. Like I couldn't get mm -hmm. enough watermelon and it's really mm -hmm. high in lycopene. And so I like went down the little lycopene research <laughs> rabbit hole yeah. and, and I was like, oh my God, I think I needed this. I have a new client yesterday she, and the, she's really scared of fats. She doesn't need any nuts and seeds. 
only olive oil on occasion. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, we got to bring in some coconut oil, some nuts and seeds. And, um, you know, there's just so many different good kinds of fats, healthy, yeah. real fats, you know. And that's the other thing for recovery, quality, quality mm. of food. So, you know, as much as you can afford it, like get the organic stuff, get it from your local farms. Um, and, and, and that probably means, you know, the better quality, the, the healthier the soil that the food was grown in, the more nourishing the food and the more tasty because nutrients are tasty. <laughs> nutrients equal taste. Um, mm -hmm. And so, but, you know, pe people get so overwhelmed. They're like, it's going to be too expensive or it's going to be too complicated or I don't have the time to learn new things or, you know, take one step at a time. Take one step. If you only ever use olive oil and you want to try coconut, you know, maybe, maybe the thing you're going to do this month is cook something in coconut oil. Mm -hmm. Or if you never eat nuts and seeds, maybe this month you're just going to try some almonds or yeah. some sunflower seeds. Just, you know, it doesn't have to be this all or nothing or change everything about your whole eating strategy all at once. Like, yeah, because if it's stressful, again, if it's stressful, you're just keeping yourself in that stressed out state and you're not going to yeah. heal. And so yeah. you have to do it in a low stress way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, it's so good. I think there's, there's a lot running through my mind. Um, going back to one of the first things you said about the, about a weekend. Um, one of the best things, I mean, in college, especially at the beginning of college, I was the stereotypical college student where it was the weekend, it was time to party. And yep. so like I was drinking and stressing my body out a lot. And it wasn't like until later in college slash like after I graduated that all of a sudden I stopped like drinking on the weekends and my life like changed. Like when you just revitalize yourself on a weekend and truly do what you love and just rest and sleep in and it's like you go into the into the week feeling fantastic and like you're kind of like you don't get those quote-unquote sunday scaries that people say <laughs> because now when i drink alcohol i know it's like all right tomorrow i'm going to be at least the next two days i'm probably going to be super anxious mm -hmm. and like that's it. That's it. Like minimum. Now it's like a minimum. Hang. Like I'll physically feel like crap tomorrow. The next day I'll probably still be anxious <clears throat> and hopefully it's gone by then, but <laughs> sometimes it lasts even longer and it's a, it's a full, depending on how much I drink. And yeah. So, so doing that, like it, that was a, a game changer and such a simple thing. It's like such an easy, yeah. easy step to take. Um, Sorry. Are we going to add something? Yeah. No, I, I was just agreeing with you. I mean, there's such um, an awareness around alcohol in, over the last yeah. few years that just didn't exist in, in the past. It was like binge drinking culture. It was just normal. It was like, that's how you socialize yep. instead of making sure you find people you enjoy hanging out with sober. Like yeah. that's such an important quality in your friends and social circles. Right? Yeah. And then that's if you fun. want to have some drinks on occasion, okay. But yeah, the, the amount that people drink is pretty harmful. And we've got mm -hmm. this idea, like I deserve it, or I'm going to relax by mm -hmm. drinking a bunch. And it's like, 
it's not actually relaxing. It might help you take your mind off of all your stresses and stuff. But it's actually yeah. really stressful on your body. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a, it's a relationship. We all have to figure out how to navigate what's right for us. I mean, like when my health was really spiraling and crashing, I would be like half a glass of wine. I would be so hungover for three days. Like just oh my, my body was goodness. not having it. And that was what forced yeah. me to finally really deeply reevaluate, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I just stopped drinking for a few years. Now it's actually really enjoyable. I can drink and not, and like actually be a functioning human the next day if I have, <laughs> you know, a re- you know, small, you know, reasonable amount, but, um, but um, yeah, we have this idea that like celebrating it, like we, ha- we, we harm ourselves, but we call it like celebrating or relaxing. And so yeah. I work with people a lot to, to read that gets them to rethink, like you don't have to harm yourself to fit in. You don't have to mm-hmm. harm yourself to please others. You don't, you know, har- if, if you, we don't have to harm ourselves for any reason. Yeah. And, like you know com- comfort food people are like i'm depressed i need comfort food well let's figure out comfort food that's actually doing what it's supposed to do which is nourishing you and really mm-hmm. comforting you not making you feel horrible the next day right um, right yeah no, that's beautiful and something that i i always say and i've told you this before as well is that everything that you're saying that's like 90% of the battle, like right there, like that. If you get that on, on check, that's like 90%. What I, what I always like to, to target is like that, that last little sliver, that 10% in my opinion can be optimized with teas and with herbs and stuff like that. And what's your kind of take on different teas or herbs that you like to work with personally, or you like to recommend, do you, I guess, do you recommend these for your clients and, and like, yeah, and for like especially for that rest recovery type activities. Yeah. Um I you know, I so I actually do recommend tea quite a bit, actually. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily for recovery athletic recovery, although you've gotten me thinking about it so much. Um, like there's this, there's this plant that grows wild where I live in Colorado and I'm, sh- I can't remember its range. It, pro- it might grow around the country. Um, it's called horsetail and it's really high in, um, yeah. What is it high in? It's oh high, in, it's high in something that, um, that's really good for your connective tissue. Collagen. I don't, I can't remember if it's no. collagen or silica or something. Sorry, I've, not really. I've heard of, no, I've heard of this and actually horsetail. Um, or maybe, yeah, maybe I, I'm getting it confused with, with another herb, but I'm going to have to look that one up actually after. Yeah, it's after silica. Done, yeah, yeah um, it's silica. It's silica. Okay. It's so ne- tell me okay, more about sil- it. Silica is necessary for the production of collagen. Okay. So it's like it's like an, it it helps your body make collagen, which of course is so important for for joints. Interesting. Um, and you yeah. can make a so, and you make tea out of it, or that's that's something. Yeah, it grows yeah. along along streams and rivers, and so um, I'll, I go harvest it, and it's a perennial, so it's not you're not really harming 
you know, the ecosystem, if you, if you, if it's, a, if, if you see lots of it growing and you yeah. a little handful, um, and then it's really easy to dry. It's kind of dry already. Mm. And, um, it's got these little joints. It kind of looks like mini bamboo. Okay. It looks a lot like mini bamboo actually. Um, and so it's really easy to dry when you're drying your own herbs. I mean, when you're foraging in general, you definitely want to make sure you know what you are picking. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> um, don't just be like, I think this is it. <laughs> and then eat it. Be 110% sure. Um, mm -hmm. It is a fairly easy one to, le to learn. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'll just dry it. And, and, you know, when you're drying herbs like that, make sure they're really dry. So when you store it in a jar, it doesn't get, fun you know, fungus or mold or something on it. But that's a really nice one. It doesn't taste like a whole lot. You know, I like to mix it with maybe some mint from my garden or rose hips or something like that. Yeah. Um, but tea, so I recommend tea a lot in the realm of digestive healing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, digestion, digestive function is important for everyone. And it's important for athletes. And, um, you know, it's really interesting with endurance athletes. One of the big things is like their stomach will cramp up or like it's, you know, it's so particular, like what you eat when you're on a long run or triathlon or, or whatever you're doing um mm -hmm. or ski you know backcountry ski or whatever um and so keeping your digestive system really well um you know the tissue keep like really well working well is really important and the tissues of our digestive system our stomach our intestines they're really fragile actually and mm -hmm. they really can get inflamed they can even break they can get harmed and so nourishing teas like slippery elm, marshmallow mm -hmm. root are mm -hmm. really helpful for just nourishing the digestive system. Yeah. Have you ever heard of or worked with uh, pu'er tea? Oh, I love it. Do you work yeah. with that for athletic purposes? Um, kind of like what you're saying for those digestive mm -hmm. purposes, um, which in my opinion, it's, I mean, there's, there's a lot to where um, more so than the digestive but because it's a fermented tea mm. it really it, for me it helps with that digestive cleansing type feel and something that i i highly recommend for a lot of people it is it is one of my blends or it is like my chai blend does have a pu'er based because i like it better than black tea the energy that it gives me is nicer the digestive work that it gives me, it's nicer, but it has the similar effects of black tea, like for energy wise. So it's something that that I always recommend kind of as that as like an afternoon recovery type type tea, but mm -hmm. still with energy. It's such a good tea. It's just so like bold, but smooth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like you it. said earlier with like about the chais, like when you blend it with it's one of those teas where you can actually um steep it longer because a lot of teas if you steep it for too long it'll get, it gets super bitter, bitter. Yeah. Um, that's because it's fermented you can steep it for a very long time and it actually gets sweeter i've i've tested Ooh, it, like, just put it on really? my stove top yeah i put my blend on my stove top and let it sit for 30 minutes just let it for simmering and oh it was so good like i was like yeah, it was like all of a sudden like it had it literally tasted like it had like sugar in it. Now, granted, it has like cinnamon, clove, ashwagandha, ginger root, uh, dandelion roots. So, like all those bold flavors were coming out in con in conjugation with the pu'er. 
but yeah, it was, it was so good. And what, yeah. And when you're not consuming just crazy amounts of sugar in your drink, in your energy drinks or your diet, you can really taste the sweet in it. And it's yeah. like that, which is such a lovely experience. Oh my gosh. Um, so, so lovely. It's always a challenge yeah. where for new tea drinkers, I'm always like, maybe add a little bit of honey, like to all my tea blends, like just to, to start off with, because if you've never had tea before, it's gonna be very mild, probably to what you're used to. So mm. just add a little bit of honey. It actually, because honey enhances flavors too, like your sugar, I should say, oh, will enhance a lot of these flavors just like on, on your palate. Um, not thinking, not talking at all about the health benefits. It's just talking strictly about the flavor profiles. Uh, sugar's great at doing that. And so that's why I personally, I don't add any sugar because I'm like, I don't want the added sugar like because of all the reasons we were talking about earlier but if you're new to it and if you're used to it weaning yourself off that sugar slowly towards having tea in the natural state that's a that's a good way of doing it in my opinion Mm -hmm. yeah for sure there's so many good there's so many good ingredients for digestive health and Mm -hmm. liver health and recovery like I'm thinking about licorice, mm-hmm. licorice root. A lot of tea brands overdo licorice, I think, and then all their teas just taste like licorice. The licorice yeah. system. Definitely. Um, yeah. <laughs> and ginger. Oh yeah. Oh ginger's yeah, one of my one of my personal favorites just for all time, for all everything. But um Liz, this is this has been super awesome. And I I want you to take an opportunity to like plug yourself and share with people where they can either reach out to work with you. Yeah. Like who do you work with? You work with men, women, everyone. And what do you offer? Like what are your services? Yeah. I work with men and women. Um, I work with adults and, and teenagers if they're really Hmm. interested in it. Um, And I do group programs. I do, I have a, a great way to get started is to check out my online DIY do-it-yourself course. It's the mm. um, body wisdom and food wisdom. You can buy both or uh, together or, or one or the other. The body wisdom one's really interesting because it really gets people, it really teach people about some of their major body systems so that they can really be wise and loving caretakers of their own bodies mm. rather than being, you know, enemies with your body, which some <laughs> people are. Um, so someone wants to just kind of get a little taste of what I do. You can check that out. Um, my website is peopleplanetsolutions.com, peopleplanetsolutions.com. And um, feel free to reach out to me. I respond to all inquiries through my contact form. And I do work with people one-on-one. And I'm, um, I'm putting together a new program that I'm really excited about that's going to move us from the one-on-one healing work to mm-hmm. more cultural healing. Because mm. because I think we all really need to join together to heal the food culture that we live in. Um, it's so hard to try to be healthy in this society. We're battling all the food norms, um, and so you know. And it's like I what I've really noticed is that the biggest barrier my clients face to getting healthier and eating better is the culture, the food culture they live in. Mm. And so together, um, I'm creating a program on how we can support each other to really change the food culture and pass on a, a living planet and a really joyful, nourishing food culture to the next generation. Because right now the food system is just spiraling out of control. <laughs> it's making people really sick. It's killing the planet. 
and um, I think we can I think we can pass on a you know food's supposed to be joyful and fun. It's supposed to be like one of the best yeah. best things we experience in life, and we can we can get back there for sure by having by having conversations about our love for food and nourishment and healing. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much. This has been incredible and I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Vince. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Remember to check the show notes for all links. If you want to optimize your longevity, recovery, and performance, then join our free optimized Facebook group now so you can interact with other athletic tea lovers and learn from their experiences. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes and follow the prompts. Thank you for being here and have a beautiful day. Thank you.